This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Welcome back, Star Wars fans, to another episode of Coruscant Radio Underground. I'm Andrew Gore. I'm here tonight with Marisha. Hello. And David. Hey, what's up? But it's not our normal David. It's another David. Just to keep things interesting. So now we have two Davids here. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we're going to catch up. Uh, we're a little behind. We, we haven't been able to record. We're going to catch up on chapters 10 and 11 of The Mandalorian and... Uh, be sure to let us know what you thought about the episode, and uh, we're just going to jump right in. Uh, chapter, no, we're doing chapter, I'm sorry, we're doing chapter 11 and chapter 12 of The Mandalorian. I cannot keep these numbers straight, because yeah. I keep thinking there were 10 episodes last season, and there were only 8. Right. That'll do it. That'll mess up your numbering system <laughs> every time. All right, but um, David, I just kind of wanted, you hadn't really had an opportunity to talk to us about it. I wanted to... Uh, see, because I guess it's different. Um, we're so wrapped up in everything Star Wars all the time, and myself being kind of a completist. I mean, if it's if there's something Star Wars, I'd read it or watch it. Or so a lot of this stuff, a lot of stuff that goes on is admittedly in this show for people like me. Mm -hmm. There is tons of stuff that I see and notice, and so sometimes I lose kind of lose my way with it and even episodes that are a little bit slower maybe there's still enough stuff in there that i'm going oh, i can't believe they put that in there and uh so as someone who's not quite as as deep into, in the woods with it as i am <laughs> what have you thought about the season in general uh the season's been great i mean honestly these last two episodes have been my favorite yet they do such a good mix as far as having you've got things that bring back nostalgia you know you've got things they bring in from the extended universe i mean and then there's just there's new exciting things in action so i mean i've been really into these last two because i mean my knowledge is mainly from the from the movies and from the video games right so, i mean even you know this past episode you start seeing stuff from what was it jedi outcast from like 20 years ago <laughs> right like, oh my god you know i remember this I mean, even for people like me, there's still a lot of callbacks that I appreciate. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, KOTOR kind of stuff. It's not like yeah. it's not like shot for shot or anything, but like that, the showdown with the crate dragon was basically straight out of KOTOR. Yeah, because you had to get that pearl. Yeah. And if you are not a completist and don't play video games, KOTOR is the Knights of the Old Republic video game, which I know because I'm married to the king of the nerds yeah i say most of us are nerds here it's i just <laughs> fully expect that if you're listening to our show you you knew what you're... kotor was but um well you know sometimes you know acronyms the other day i don't even remember what it was that i was reading oh it was something about an avengers costumes and they said something about um the costume from TFA, and I was like, wait a second. He wasn't in The Force Awakens, because, you know, you just kind of get stuck in, like, whatever the acronym for what... And it was it was totally the first Avenger. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, I would have thought The Force Awakens. Right. I don't feel bad. Yeah. You got you got to keep it all straight. So, there we go. There's my helpful um, contribution for the slightly less historically nerdy <laughs> contingent. 
How about that? All right, so we're going to jump right into chapter 11, uh, The Heiress. Oh, yes. Uh, which so far might have been my favorite episode of maybe of the show, period. Yeah. Um, I mean, the last couple episodes of last season are really, really up there. It's hard to say for sure. But this one, this is where we started digging back into the lore because we had some established lore of who the Mandalorians are and what they're all about. And when this show started, it kind of shook that up. And we jumped ahead in time to a point in time where we didn't know anything about Mandalore. Right. We found out that there was a purge. They were purged just like all the other kind of warrior races in the galaxy were. The Jedi and were purged and the Mandalorians were purged and the Night Sisters were purged and all these other groups that could have been any kind of threat to the Emperor were right. wiped out. So we get this gap, but where we pick up, it's it, it's an odd thing because we pick up more like, David, you played Knights of the Old Republic, right? Yeah. Because our Mandalorians are a little more like those Mandalorians. Yeah. Um, they're, they don't, you never see one take a helmet off and they're a little more secretive and they're just kind of hiding out in these remote areas training for some upcoming, you know, war when they're going to reclaim the glory of Mandalore. You know, that, that is the Mandalorians of Knights of the Old Republic. And that seems to be kind of what we've got going on in this show. But there were, there was still this like hole of like, why are Mandalorians not taking their helmets off? Like what happened? We had assumptions, which mostly turned out to be correct, um, that they're basically a a cult. They're a different religious faction of Mandalorians. Right. They're, we, we're assuming at this point, or, or at least I'm assuming, Marcia, do you assume that they are connected to the Death Watch? I mean, it seems reasonable. That. That at least they both, I kind of see it maybe as like, if you want to use like religious terminology, like Greek Orthodox and Catholics, like they both have the same sort of origin they have, but they have different practices. They have the same, they, they have the same claim to historic. Cassie, historicality, <laughs> whatever the correct word is there. It's like, um, but they, they both kind of have that, that same claim to like, you know, we are carrying on the mantle. So I think that they could even be different factions, you know, a, a different group that both claim to be carrying on the same tradition. Right. So, I mean, what are y'all assuming about, because now that kind of throws in the mix, this whole thing about Mandalorian is a creed, not a race. Because that also didn't necessarily mesh with Clone Wars era Mandalorian story. Right. So here is my my assumption from of, of what's happening. Is that she refers to him specifically as a child of the Watch. I don't think they used that word again by accident. Mm-hmm. There was a, the John Favreau's character last season, his Mandalorian character was a Vizsla who, clan Vizsla was the main, was the core of Death Watch. Mm. 
Right. My assumption is is that whatever was left of Death Watch after the purge has started taking in orphans to bolster their numbers. And that when she talks about, or when she refers to him as a child of the watch, that's what he is. He's a child of the watch, which the watch being Death Watch. I mean, it definitely seems like a reasonable assumption. I think there are too many, too many, too many things that point towards this being Death Watch. Now, whether we're considering the the children of the Watch being specifically these foundlings, right? Or is is the cult called the children of the Watch, or the the actual children taking in taken in? Is the cult the Watch, or is the cult the children of the Watch? I guess we'll just kind of remains to be seen, right? Uh, but y'all, David, you said you're on board with this being Death Watch as well, right? Yeah, I mean, especially with the Child of the Watch call out, because like you said, there's there's not too many things they're just gonna say, you know, randomly for no reason. So I feel like that was dropped there for a reason. I'm just kind of taking it in where he was brought in by basically extremists, you know, if you want to look at it that way. Yeah. As far as the Mandalorians, they're just kind of bringing it back, you know, just bringing back the old school. Right. Yeah, and I mean that's that's kind of what Death Watch has always been about was restoring the Death Watch was all about restoring Mandalore to its warrior ways. Right. The the ways of the original Mandalore. And that's exactly what these are about. So they're either a they're either Death Watch itself or they are a cult that rose up as sort of following the teachings of the Death Watch. Yeah. But I, I don't think that there's any doubt that using the word watch in there was significant. Especially coming out of Bo Katan's mouth. Right. Um, a former Death Watch member. Right. But um so David, were you aware when the new when these new Mandalorians showed up who the leader was? Uh, only vaguely, because I didn't really watch any of the animated series. Right. And so, like, I, I know names and things like that, but I don't know, like, a whole lot of detail. Okay. Um, so, basically, this one was one a lot of people didn't think she would show up. I've been rooting for it, because I think the... I really still think the backdrop for this... And the, I think this episode confirms it as much as anything else, that my theory from day one has been that the overarching story here is that is the return of Mandalore to some sort of prominent role player in the galaxy that, that the Mandalorian civilization needs to come back and that we're watching that through his quest. And I really think this one sets that up as much as anything, because suddenly we have, and she made a lot of sense. She was the last person that we saw with the dark saber. Now, the, the odd thing to me is that, and they're going to have to at some point fill us in on this, is why is she alive? Right, because theoretically, the only way to gain the Darksaber is to kill the previous holder, right? Right. Or at least that's been kind of the history of it. Uh, it's kind of like the Harry Potter, the, the wand, you know? Yeah. Now, in the past, here here's something that I've been wondering about since we saw that. We have in the past seen Mandalorians, the, the whole deal with that lightsaber, there's, there's a long storied history to the Darksaber. 
And the person that wields it is supposed to be the rightful ruler of Mandalore. And we have seen groups of Mandalorians that were willing to follow non-Mandalorian rulers Mm -hmm. because they wielded that sword. Do we think that Moff Gideon might have any loyal Mandalorians or do we think that he lost all that loyalty when he purged when he, cause he was apparently part of purging the Mandalorians. It would be interesting to see Mandalorians on both sides of a conflict. Well, we've done that. Right. But in, in this, in live action, yeah. in this series. Well, I think we may, but it may not be the two factions. We think it may be the same old factions fighting with, yeah. with, Possibly Din Djarin's now stuck in the middle. Right. Because we did leave off with some mutual respect between between the Mandalorian and Bo-Katan. Right. So, what were some of y'all's favorite parts of this episode? Why don't you go first, David? Oh, man. I know it's been two weeks since I've seen it. So, it's like I'm trying to really like go through it in my head. I mean, I'll say for me, it was all about seeing... I mean, we've seen Mandalorians, and most of the Mandalorians we've seen have, have been badasses. There's a lot of badasses in this show, period. But these three that show up here are a very special brand of badass. And, yeah. and even the Mandalorian is kind of like taken aback at how... Capable. And brutally efficient. <laughs> Brutal. Yeah. Um, and... For me, I mean, for me, this episode boils down to that one moment of when they first board the ship mm-hmm. and the three of them are walking, you know, come around the corner, coming down that hall. And it is, they took an animated character and made that, that was always a badass character and made it just as badass in live action as it mm-hmm. ever was animated. When they come, the three of them come walking down that hall with Bo-Katan in the front and the mm-hmm. two, the two others flanking her. It's like, oh, like you could just see like the, those Imperial soldiers are just like, oh crap. What have we gotten ourselves into now? Yeah. Could, couldn't hit the broadside of a Bantha. <laughs> but I mean, other than that, did y'all have any other favorite moments? I mean, there were some good comedic moments in this one. That weren't over the top. I mean, he had the one pretty silly one where the baby gets attacked by his food. Um, by by the squid and his dinner. Mm-hmm. The girls declare that they the the baby just gets cuter every week. My assumption was as soon as I saw Quarren, was that they were just going to be typical of what we've seen of Quarren before. They're just the not. Worst. They're not pleasant. Nope. I think they look like Davy Jones from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, they got a little bit of that look. Like every time I look at them, I'm like, oh, it's Davy Jones. And they kind of have a similar kind of little weird voice going on. Mm. Yeah. But, I mean, it would be more accurate to say that Davy Jones looks kind of like a Quarren because they've been around for a while. Were were Quarren in the uh, original trilogy? Oh, yeah. I remember them in Clone Wars. Oh yeah, they were in the original. Not, okay. I mean, like one maybe. Okay. It wasn't like lots of them. But did you have any other favorite moments? I know it's been a I, couple I, weeks no, since I this think, episode. But. I think that boarding that ship, you know, that initial like attack on that uh, that freighter or whatever it was, that Imperial freighter was. I mean, it, it's hard to it's hard to top that. Although, whenever they're 
you know, the baby just got ate by this this critter, and you know, the and and the three Mandalorians land on the deck of the boat. That was, I mean, because as soon as I saw it, I knew who who she was. It's like I look, I in fact looked at you. It's like that's Bo-Katan, isn't it? And you were like, yeah, I think it is. Sure enough. Um, so I mean, just as far as the first time watching it in the in like oh my gosh moments, that one kind of probably won. Any other moments, David? I mean, really, it's really anything that pretty much brings the Mandalorians into it. Because even when, you know, they drop the baby in into the water, yeah, like you said, if they come and rescue him, I mean, that's your first oh my gosh moment. But I mean, the episode was really full of them. Yeah. So when this started out, I know you were probably a little more into it. Uh, Some of the people we've recorded with before the Mandalorian started, before season one, there they were just really I don't care about Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. Um, they just really didn't care anything about Mandalorians, the lore, or anything. Uh, what camp were you in on that prior to the show, David? To me, that sounds crazy. Like I've always thought they were cool, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it, maybe it's because I played all the video games and everything. But yeah, I've always been into it. Yeah, no, I mean I, I was always really into the lore and the. The Mandalorian lore has been some of my favorite things about Clone Wars and Rebels. Was the little bit of time we got to spend learning about the Mandalorians and fleshing that out. And I mean, as far as Mandalorian lore, what who the Mandalorians are, like right now, I mean, Dave Filoni is the author of who the Mandalorians are. He has really helped shape all of this, him and him and Favreau. I mean, but he, he, he worked on Mandalorians with George Lucas. And I mean, how much better does it get than to work on developing a Star Wars race than doing it with George Lucas? Like that's still the, the epitome of like Star Wars cred, isn't it? Yeah. Like me and George Lucas did this thing. (laughs) Right. And I really think that's why he is has been so instrumental to the development of this show and really probably should have a little bit of sway with all the other shows because there's nobody out there that understands Star Wars better than Dave Filoni. And at this point, I would say the only close second might be Jon Favreau just because, like us, he was a huge Star Wars nerd mm-hmm. who started writing this as fan fiction. Right. Yeah, I didn't know that. When he started off writing this story, it was going to be Boba Fett. Yeah. And when he kind of went and pitched it, uh, Dave Filoni was actually one of the ones that was like, well, you can't actually do Boba Fett. Well, this is way more interesting anyway. Right. It is. And I I hope they continue to, you know, Boba Fett's out there now. I don't even know if we'll see Boba Fett again this season. I don't think we will. But he's out there and eventually that's going to have to be addressed. And uh, we all knew that if if they were going to let him have Boba Fett alive, that he was going to put Boba Fett in this show. You know, as far as this episode, I mean, the most important part, I mean, this was just a, you know, fun getting the great action sequences in this episode. It's um, a big name drop in too. Some, mm-hmm. some huge name drops, some, some great characters showing up. You know, another new planet that we, we've never been to, which is good. It's mm-hmm. good to not always rehash the same planets when you're in this. How many times can we go to Tatooine? <laughs> Here's the thing, though. I think, and, and I think that when you put everything together, books, you know, new canon, expanded universe, video games, when you put it all together, 
There is no planet more important to Star Wars than Tatooine. That's true. And I feel like, honestly, they may have, in insisting on, oh, it's a different desert planet, and yet a different desert planet, and oh, yet a third desert planet. Well, they kept giving us more desert planets. Right. And I really think that, I think that Favreau and Filoni really understood we don't have to do new desert planets Mm -hmm. because Tatooine is the perfect desert planet. Right. It's already got all this lore. And I mean, there's still tons of lore they could do. There's uh, some of the lore about Tatooine in Knights of the Old Republic is really interesting. Mm-hmm. But there is really no segment of the Star Wars universe in any media where we haven't visited Tatooine. You know, it's it's where Star Wars was born. Right. It, it's it's just an important place. So which I don't is mind. Why, which is why Rise of Skywalker ended there. Yeah. And I'm and I know some people are disappointed to constantly go back to Tatooine, but to me it's it's important that we do. Like I said, you know, it's if you like action, you know, we we wondered who Sasha Banks' character would be. There was a lot of rumors. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, I mean, you know, no, she didn't wind up being Sabine Wren, but they weren't far off. But she also didn't have purple hair. That's the only reason anybody pitched Sabrina Wren is because of the purple. And she didn't even have purple hair. No. Hair was not even kind of purple. Although it's kind of interesting because as much hype as there was around them casting her, I mean, she said like three lines in the whole thing. You know, that she was one of the, the most widely discussed castings and it really wound up. She showed up in the same episode as Katie Sackhoff. So, you know, yeah, she was by far the less, you know, least exciting thing in that, in that episode, just because Bo-Katan was there. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of, it's kind of funny to me that after all the, the hype and the conversation around her, that she just kind of wound up being a, a, a sidekick. Yeah. Did anybody have any other thoughts about this episode? I mean, whether it be about the frog lady or, you know, because we, we saw the eggs. She made it with her eggs and one hatched. The baby and didn't eat anymore. The baby didn't eat anymore once <laughs> they were uh, fertilized. You I, know, I think it is worth pointing out, though, that once they were, once they were viable... They were fertilized. Once they were a, a living thing. Once, not just a living thing, but a sentient living Sent, thing. Right. Because uh, he clearly doesn't have an issue eating living things, Mr. Froggy. Right. Um, but once it was a sentient living creature, you know, he wanted to be friends with it. Yeah. That was actually really funny when they when he's pulling him away and the baby's reaching back for his new uh-huh. friend and yeah. the thing's trying to like squirm out of its tank yeah. to get to him. Yeah, so they were buddies. No, I have enough I have enough pets. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need another pet. Um so you know, we leave off that episode. Like I said, unless anybody's got any other thoughts about that episode, I'm gonna move on to the next one. But great episode, like I said, definitely my favorite of the season at this point. Bryce Dallas Howard did an excellent job directing this Fantastic one. Fantastic job. Um, yeah, I we, don't know if you saw it, but there were some call-outs to um, her dad's movie, the Apollo movie. I don't know if you noticed it or not, like when I, they're flying into the planet. Right. I did. Yes, uh-huh. I did see that. And that was actually really, really cool. And I'm, I'm kind of hoping now that if the whole Make Solo 2 thing happens, that maybe those two will, maybe her and her dad will work oh, on it Oh, wouldn't that be awesome? That would be cool, be, yeah. 
Um, because last season, I thought the episode she directed last season was fine, but it was the they were doing the whole Seven Samurai thing was a little on the nose mm-hmm. with with that episode. But she caught a lot of flack for that episode last season. A lot of people consider that the weakest episode of. I didn't mind it. The season, and I didn't mind it. And even Favreau himself said, look, we gave her the hardest episode to direct of the season. Yeah. Uh, There was the most conversation and stuff like that going on in that episode of any of them. And so I was really glad to see her get this one and really hit a home run with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was excellent. Um, And, of course, we leave off with with, uh, Mando and his... The razor crest being held together with fishing nets. <laughs> yeah, basically duct tape. Fishing duct nets. tape. Yeah, it's like Star Wars duct tape. At least uh, Mon Calamari duct tape. Yeah, and his fishing net. That's pretty hilarious. That that was yeah, that was pretty great. He's just like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah, that was that was great. Of course, the razor crest has just gotten repeatedly banged up. Poor up razor crest. Point. Well, it's been stripped by man. It's been stripped by Jawas, and it's rebuilt. been crashed in, rebuilt, and then crashed through the ice and mm-hmm. rebuilt. And hey, everyone! This is Todd Hoffman from WSTR Galactic Public Access. I can't believe I'm saying this, but we are celebrating our 200th episode and it's coming up very soon and we need your help so how can you do that simple just send us your transmission over at mailbox at wstrmedia.com or you can leave us a voicemail 630-557-9787 that's 630-557-9787 uh, yeah, we started this podcast way back in December of 2016, right around when Rogue One was releasing, and now we are getting up to that 200th episode, and we can't be more excited to do this, and we want to just celebrate it with our podcast family, our Star Wars family. Uh, we can't be more happier to be part of the Red 5 Network, and we would love to have all your voicemails, all your emails, and the other way you could do it is just tweet us whatever at WSTR Media. We'll take them all, um, and we just want to celebrate with the family as we have uh, a big, you know, 200 celebration. And we can't be more excited than in Star Wars and everything that's going on. Uh, we are looking to do 200 more, so uh, we just need your help as we near this 200th episode. Again, just email us at mailbox at wstrmedia.com. Or voicemail 630-557-9787. Appreciate all you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, thank, you, thank you for all the support on the socials. We we couldn't do it without you. Um, and we love you guys. And may the force be with you always.
But uh, jumping ahead to chapter 12, which was titled The Siege, if I'm not mistaken, what are just your general thoughts on this one? What did y'all, I mean, everybody enjoy this episode? The baby's so cute. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's what everybody goes back to. To me, this is my favorite one of the season so far. This one's really good. Um, And that's kind of where it comes into play for me and why I was asking, like, you know, your, your perspective is a little different than mine, where I was really just so into the lore that they brought back last mm-hmm. in the, in 11, 12 probably tells the better big sto- big picture story, a little more yeah. interesting quest side quest. Um, but fewer Mandalorians, but fewer Mandalorians, <laughs> fewer Mandalorians, but, uh, I'll- no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I just liked it because to me, I mean, a lot of this, just when they go and they go and attack the base, I just kind of got like a New Hope vibe. Yep. You know, they had their mm-hmm. shootout with the scout troopers where I just kind of felt like some Jedi. You know, it was just a lot of call outs to me, you know, just as far as going with the original trilogy. Right. Yep. And I, I was like, whenever um, the fish, the blue fish guy whose name I can't remember was like, you know, <laughs> There's no guardrails there. I got a really big kick out of that. You know, there's like this constant well, the commentary. On, do, there's no guardrails on anything. You know, imperial. like there's no yeah. guardrails in the, you know, in Star Wars. Why are there no guardrails? And I love that somebody like comments on it like there's no guardrails, you know. Yeah. And then, of course, he's going and he's turning down the thing. And, you know, the very Obi-Wan, you know, turning down the, the mm. shield generator. Um, so, yeah, I was with you. I definitely got some real strong new hook vibes off of that. I mean, so, I mean, we opened up on this one with Gina Carano. Gina Carano's character, Cara Dune, is apparently now the, the Marshal of Navarro. She's no joke. <laughs> Man. Like, I think that may be the most violence we've seen in this show. It's certainly up there. That opening sequence is... Uh... I mean, this is like the opening sequence in the first episode was pretty rough. Like when they cut the guy with the... Um, with the door, cut him in half with it. That was, that was, ugh. And so this was a very similar kind of feel of like, oh. Right. I think to me, my favorite part about all of that is knowing that when they filmed that, that it was Gina Carano throwing these people in these big bulky costumes around a step. No, I mean, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't mess with uh, Cara Dune. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was... And this is the one Carl, Carl Weathers directed this episode, he did. didn't he? Like I, there were definitely, there are definitely moments that are, that are definitely like really stylistic decisions. Like you know, at the end of the fight, you know, in that kind of the the camera pulls back and kind of focuses on that those that body laying there in the front. Um, so they definitely had a couple of really cinematic kind of moments like that, where you could definitely see the the directors, you know, kind of work there so that's always kind of fun to see yeah well the funniest thing to me about carl weathers directing this episode is all of the like you just wanted direct to direct this one so you could talk baby talk to to the uh to baby yoda uh-huh <laughs> yep Oh, looky there. Okay, so I think my favorite thing this whole episode is the is the baby in there and he's like, no, put the blue one where we just unplugged the red one. And he's looking at it. He's looking at it. No, don't keep them apart. Don't put them together. You know, and it's like. Yeah, it was just like oh trying to tell a job. Oh, my gosh. 
Give a child instructions. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's my entire life. I'm just watching my entire life play out right here. Yeah. And I mean, he basically <laughs> does like what my own child would do is just like, look me in the eyes and do the thing I just told him not to do. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> well, it was worth a shot. And man, if I had a dollar for every time I've been like, you know, like they're little, like you can go down there and you can. Like, I, I need this thing that fell behind the sofa, but I can't reach it. So I'm going to, like, you know, crawl back there and get it. No, not that. No, no. It's right there. Right th where? And they're looking up at the ceiling. Like, right there in front of your foot. And then they look at the, you know, the no, the other foot. And they're like, then they move their foot. And they're like, I don't see it there. You know, it's just like, <laughs> it was great. And, and uh, so cute. The little ears. Yeah. And Baby Yoda got to go to school, too. He did. Yes. And it's actually, if I'm not mistaken, four episodes into the season, that's the first time we've seen him use the Force. Yeah. Well, that's because there were snacks. And, and there like, were I snacks. haven't ever identified with anything more <laughs> in a TV show. Yes. <laughs> he was like, I wanted those blue cookies. I kind of thought he was going to do something low-key terrible to the kid. I'm not going to lie. Like I, I, I thought, I thought I he looked was those cookies up online, and they're like fifty dollars a pack. So I understand why the kid didn't want to give them up. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. If you lived on a place like Navarro and you had that expensive cookies, you wouldn't want to give them they're, up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're like four dollars a pop. That's a that's an expensive cookie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ain't gonna share my cookie with you, little green critter. <laughs> no matter how cute you are. And yeah. that's the thing about like now a. Like ten year old girl would have been like, "Oh, here, cute little thing, have it." But like ten year old boys are like, "Uh, uh, mine." You're not not that cute. <laughs> yeah. Now this one, as far as this one, didn't go into deep Star Wars lore like the previous episode did, but this one I thought told some real interest, gave us some real interesting information about what is going on out here on the outer, you know, on the outer rim. Oh, cloning. Right. Cloning experiments. There's a shock. So we've got, you know, this entire base that was out there dedicated to cloning experiments. And uh, what do y'all think that they're trying to do? I was just assuming they were trying to infuse force powers into people, but like, I'm not 100% sure. That's what it seems like. Okay, now I think, though, that this episode may kind of shake up the whole... Uh, the child is a clone theory. Yeah, I don't feel like he's a clone. No, because they're actually, he has such a high M count. Yeah. I love yeah, that. Yeah, I love the M count, how uh -huh. they just use the M word. Uh-huh. Yeah, you can he, say midichlorians exactly. with the M word. <laughs> he had such a high M count that they were trying to use his blood to clearly affect, right, either, either cloning or... Uh, Although they were saying volunteers, you know, so it appears that they're actually trying to infuse force powers into people. Right. Which I wonder how much those volunteers are inscripted. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What do you mean by volunteers? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, that's my assumption is that they're trying to find a way to give people force powers presumably i'm going to assume at this point because moff gideon wants force powers yeah i mean that seems like that tracks he's got um although 
it seems like there is more than one imperial faction that wants force powers because we don't necessarily get the impression that um, the client was working for Moff Gideon. So do we think that the cloning experiments have anything whatsoever to do with the Emperor? I mean, I think clearly he's got clones that are not force sensitive going on. So I think that it could stand to reason that they're trying to figure out a way to in, to endow some of these Palpatine clones with force powers. Yeah. So that's the thing is like trying to figure out if Moff Gideon is just trying to create his own empire. Right. And because him being there at all at this point, I think kind of shakes up the whole, the Empire's gone and the First Order's still kind of out there and hiding. Is he still working with the First Order at all? Or was he one of the ones left behind? I mean, I think this is stuff that the Emperor was working on already. Right. So he may be part of another part of the plan that the ones who went off into wild space don't even know is going on. You know, kind of like we were talking about different factions of Mandalorians, you know, being related, having similar um back background and but but not necessarily working together i think this may be part of what we have going here is uh i think the emperor had lots of irons in the fire and was just you know hoping one of them would pan out yeah so i, I kind of suspect this is just one of the things he had going yeah so this is a um this is another great episode lots of action you know we got tie fighters going we got speeder bikes it's like david said it's some real serious original star wars stuff going on in this one mm -hmm. um and another character that i honestly didn't think that we would see again and uh mr kim showed up mm -hmm. um I'm, I'm glad to see that he's playing a, a character that we may still see occasionally mm-hmm do you think he's going to be able to successfully recruit Cara Dune back into like the New Republic? I don't know. Um, I kind of think that, yes, I, I kind of think that at some point she's going to turn around and get involved again with whatever the New Republic is trying to do. At the very least, whenever the New Republic falls apart, she goes in search of uh, the uh, Resistance. Maybe, Do you think she's still... related to anybody else, like as far as the story goes? Hmm. From Alderaan, I mean, we really only know a couple of characters from Alderaan at all. Yeah, there we are... have we have Leia and Balorgana, and then we have um, Holdo. Those are the only characters that we have from Alderaan. There are a couple they? others, and one of maybe even Bloodlines. Okay. That they actually are holding some sort of ceremony for where Alderaan was. Um, and there's the people on the ship were all from there. I, we don't get a lot. There are a few survivors. There aren't just a ton of survivors that we're aware of from Alderaan. So I don't think that we're going to find out she's related to anyone else. I, I think that she's a character that's going to stand more on her own. I kind of hope that she's Holdo's sister, kind of like Bo-Katan and uh, um, Satine were in the Clone Wars with just completely opposite ideologies. Right. Um, I mean, that could be interesting, but I do think that he's going to 
that she's going to have a hard time not in some way going back to the New Republic. Maybe not right away. I mean, what did y'all think about that? Yeah, I imagine that she will, like, sooner than later. But we'll see. That's, I mean, it seems likely, at least, to me, it seems like a pretty obvious tying up loose ends when the series is over kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, we're, like, signing everybody off and, you know, and here's what they do now. And, you know, that that's kind of what I see her as a... Uh, so is her that that being her sign off? Yeah. So what do we think the the medal or whatever that was that he left with her when the uh, New Republic officer when he leaves the little medal that he leaves there on the table? Do we think that has any significance that we'll see that pop up again, or is it just? I don't know. It could just Marshall's badge for all I know. <laughs> do what? I said it could just be a Marshall's badge for all I know. Yeah. I, I expect we see it again because like the definitely the way she was eyeing it, I was I thought I had missed something. I was like, what is it like? Is this something obscure, like some kind of reference? So generally, whenever they drop something that are and, and everyone's like, ooh, significant. If it's not some kind of callback to something that they've done before, I expect that it's something that's going to show up again. Yeah. You know, and like you said, it may be some kind of, you know, law enforcement insignia. It may be some kind of medal of honor or something. Like, you know, like a military unit that she was in before. Yeah, it, it could have been. That that would be interesting as well. I, I don't know. I, I'll be curious to see what that was. I, I do think I had not thought about it being basically a badge. You know, something that yeah. like, hey, if you if you will come back you know, here's the badge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I don't know. I kind of wondered about that or if it was some yeah, sort of communicator. Justified. Or, right. <laughs> I didn't know if it was some sort of beacon to alert them to anything or, or what it was, but I'm assuming we'll find out, but that wasn't the big mystery item in, in this episode. This episode closes out with Moff Gideon standing in a room with a bunch of technicians and something, something. lining the wall. The dark troopers. Dark troopers. I believe they're dark troopers. They've got to be. Yeah. I'm curious to see exactly which version of the dark troopers they do. Cause there were a couple of different iterations. Some that were just droids and some that were basically like exoskeletons that troopers could wear. Um, either way, they're going to be badass. I mean, what do you think they're going to do with it, David? Do you think this is going to be droids or? I don't know. I was kind of leaning more towards the exosuit, but I guess it really could go either way. But no, I'm, I'm excited to see the dark troopers. I'm, I'm curious to see if they're going to be his, like, you know, we saw him before with death troopers, but I'm curious to see if they're going to be like droids that are going to be like his guard. What I kind of expect to see is, I think the way they work, if I'm remembering right, they were droids, but could also be used as exoskeletons. And what is this, yeah, I this think you're right. from what? I think that goes once again back to the Jedi Outcast, uh, Star Wars Jedi Knight yeah. Know, 2. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Just my video game knowledge again. Right, and I, I do think that's where they come from, and it should be a real interesting... Uh, 
real interesting twist. I'm I'm wondering how long they're going to make us wait to see them in use now. But the other thing was, I, I was wondering if now, because he was, yeah, he started off, I really don't like droids. And then he kind of yeah. softened on droids a little bit. And so now I kind of wonder if they're not going to bring back some droids that are going to be out to kill him. Yeah, I was noticing, um, I was, I guess it was this week, you know, he, when he was flying around, oh, I, that's what it was when he, he, he's got this little critter in there trying to fix his ship. And I was like, why doesn't he have an astromech? And I was like, oh, that's right. He's got a thing about droids. Um, and I think he may be one of the few characters that we've seen in Star Wars that really does a lot of, you know, hyperspace travel that doesn't have a little droid friend. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I mean, just kind of on the lore that they've established or the, you know, kind of the, the way the world works is if you're out there traveling in a spaceship, like having a droid that can help fix your ship, it's a good thing. Yeah. Han Solo also doesn't like droids. So, you know, he doesn't have one either, but he has a Chewy. <laughs> yeah, but now now Han Solo's ship is, in fact, an obnoxious droid. Ugh. That's true. It's probably why he doesn't like droids. Cause yeah, I wouldn't point, like droids either. <laughs> I'd be like, I met, I met droids before. If you'd known L3, you wouldn't like droids either. I don't think that's what they were going for. I really think they were trying to make it like a sympathetic thing, but it was just, no. it was just well, didn't work. the absolute worst. It was the least, as far as what droids are in the Star Wars universe, was the least droid droid that we've had in, in all of Star Wars. Yeah. And, and it really, it's just a couple of moments that really just put it over the top that if they had just cut them out. And, of course, you have to wonder how much of that was Ron Howard and how much of that was mm-hmm. um, Lord and Miller. Yeah. But it was it was a bit much. But, yeah, um, yeah I'm very excited to see the Dark Troopers and see exactly what they're going to do with them. And, of course, now we're supposedly on our way to see Ahsoka Tano. Does he make it to Ahsoka this week? Isn't the next episode called The Jedi? Is it? That's what I heard. That would sound like a giveaway. Yeah. Second question is, who's going to play her? <laughs> that is the question. Rosario Dawson? Do we, we're I'm, pulling for that? I mean, that has been the rumor, and... Um, I would have still, I mean, and I've said on the show, I, I really, I would have, I would have opted to have had the original actress, the, the voice actress play the role that we've had such a, a big character. But I also know that this character is, this is Dave Filoni's baby. Mm-hmm. This is like, this is his pet character. I really don't think they're going to do it wrong. Yeah, no, I definitely don't think so. Um, Okay, so apparently that's not actually... Apparently that was part of... what There was apparently a big leak about the upcoming episode. And apparently that was part of it. Yeah, was so it? So chapter 13 chapter is seven. the title The Jedi. Okay. So I guess he's going to make it. I just wondered, you know, he is being tracked now. Right. So now the upside is that may mean that when we get to Ahsoka, that we get to see Ahsoka fighting dark troopers. We want to see Ahsoka throw down. Um, what do you think, David, about who's playing the character? 
I don't know. Like I said, I'm I'm leaning. You know, I'm rooting for Rosario Dawson just because I like her and everything. Yeah. No, I think she. I think she makes a lot of sense, and she's been rumored to to be playing that role. Um, and I, I do think that I think she fits. I think it'll work. Yeah, I wanted to see her become Night Nurse, you know, in the Netflix, you know, Marvel, <laughs> you know, shows. We never got to see it. Right. So that, yeah, that's that's an interesting one, and and I do think what well, sounds like. I mean, if the title is the Jedi, I would assume that he's going to make it to the planet where I, I can't even think of the name of the planet where he's supposed to be going to find Ahsoka. But does anybody have any other thoughts about this episode or what you would like to see going forward in this coming week's episode? I wonder how long it's going to be before we learn more about the Darksaber. Yeah. I mean, we, we've only heard it even alluded to briefly in this season. So hopefully if Moff Gideon do, or if the Empire does show up whenever he finds Ahsoka, I want to see Ahsoka throw down with Moff Gideon wielding the Darksaber. Yeah. I was going to say that I didn't care. I just wanted to keep it continue to be good, but I'm revising that. That's what I want to see. Yeah. <laughs> um. Go ahead, David. I was just going to say that's my vote is I want to see the Darksaber. Yeah, I, I think so. And do y'all think that they, there's been some things that we kind of knew about from the Clone Wars that they have gone ahead and given us backstory to in The Mandalorian for the sake of people who didn't watch the animated stuff? Do you think at some point they need to give us some sort of story about the importance of the Darksaber? I think so. I mean, they have, they told us a few things about the Darksaber and Clone Wars, and then they went deeper into Darksaber lore. They kind of recapped what we already knew and then went a little deeper into the lore in Rebels. Mm -hmm. And so I hope that they continue that, that trend sort of like, I mean, clearly this is all going to be news to Mando. So it, it makes perfect sense for there to be a little bit of exposition coming up about the Darksaber. Um, and I hope that, like I said, I hope they continue to give us a little more information about it. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Course Not Radio Underground. Marisha, where can people find you until next time? You can find me on the internet. Um, my website is, <laughs> sorry, I'm, in, I'm, I'm getting kind of tired. Um, my website is princessesandpadawans.com. And you can find me, I am princesses underscore and underscore padawans on instagram and p padawans on twitter cool and uh david did you have anything you wanted to share there or well i so said you can find me on the internet too yeah instagram and twitter um j underscore david pool or david pool dot emmy awesome and i'm andrew gore you can find me running the twitter account for this show at crew underscore podcast at cru underscore podcast you can drop us a line at coruscant radio underground at gmail.com and you can find us as well as the rest of the red five podcast family at red five network.com or at red five network on twitter and until next time may the force be with you 